Welcome to Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. This is an education-based show focusing on tech careers and how to incorporate the important aspects of technology in your current work. Each show brings you closer to tech success. Now, here's your host, Dr. Sharon Jones. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Coding the Future. I am so honored that you are here to share this hour of learning with us and to be a part of our show. Our show is an education-based show to give information and action tips to working adults and educators, to guide them to a new level of tech savvy through leveraging your own skill set. We share the inside scoop on tech trends, explain how to leverage current technology in your career, and explore how your talents can be the key to your tech success. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Jones. I'm an educator, technologist, entrepreneur, mom of two boys, lover of all things coffee and wine, in particular Chardonnay, an avid list maker, and a lifelong learner. And I am so honored that you are joining us for this hour of Coding the Future on the Voice America Network. Let me remind you that if you enjoy this show, please subscribe to what to the show on Voice America. And you can also download download this show on any of your podcast apps. Uh, Apple, Stitcher, Google Play, just to name a few. Whatever is your preference, you just search Coding the Future and download it and leave us a review because it helps us reach more individuals just like yourself who are really looking to find their space and in the tech, well, you know, in the tech field, but really just being able to harness tech to move your career forward and really understanding who you are. So welcome to the show. You're in for a great treat today. I think I say that a lot because I feel like my guests are so amazing. And I am just really pumped about today as well, because again, I have the pleasure of speaking with someone who not only understands the tech business, but understands the power of really harnessing who you are and this wonderful four-letter word called hope. Lindsay Recknell is with me today, and she and I met through another mutual group and found that we were on an island together and that we needed to bring our, our, we were each on an island and we needed to bring our islands together because we have so many things in common and so many pieces around technology and wanting to grow and help other women and individuals in the same situation that we have been as we begun to find our own passionate and walk our walk. But Lindsay is a mental health consultant and certified psycho psychological health and safety advisor, a podcaster, a speaker, and an expert in hope. Y'all, you're going to be in for an amazing hour. So stick with us as Lindsay dives into all things about helping us with our mental state, understanding how to apply that to tech, and most of all, leveraging that wonderful piece of hope that we all need as we're coming through this pandemic. So Lindsay, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me today. I'm so excited to connect with you and to answer all your questions and to just be inspired by you. So thanks. You too. I, you know, when we first met, we instantaneously connected. Just, I think we have the same spirit and inner thoughts about our love of working in technology, but also the piece that really drives us as career-driven women, and that is loving our passion and also leveraging that in our work. But before we dive into all of this, I'd like for the, the audience to get to know you a little bit better. Can you tell us something about yourself that maybe not everybody knows? 
Um, well, I can say the alphabet backwards faster than I can forwards. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't think I can, I, you know, I think we're all thinking now in our brains, can we do that? I don't know if we can do that. Well, when I was a kid, my grandpa could do it. And so, you know, like any uh, small child, they needed to emulate their mentor. And so I needed to learn how to do it. And I remember very clearly laying in bed, practicing for, you know, as my fall asleep tool was to practice saying it backwards faster than I can forward. And it came in really handy at my first job, which was at the library, uh, you know, super nerd over here. Um, but I was, uh, my job was a page, it was called, which really, I shelved the books for my job. But it came in really a handy. page sounds I, so like sophisticated. I love it. Well, and it was so, it was so handy when I needed to, um, you know, did T come before S or after R or U? I could start at, be efficient and start at the end instead of having to start all the way at A. Ridiculous. You know, actually, no, that's not, I love it because I totally say the alphabet in my head on a regular basis of figuring out where we are in the list. What do I need to put down? I think that's, that's amazing. That's a really cool skill to have. <laughs> oh, thanks. I do like to be efficient. So it worked out. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your background. So you, you are in Canada, correct? Did you always grow up? Did you, did you grow up in Canada? I did. I am a born and raised Calgary, Albertan, uh, which is in Western Canada, the second most Western province. And I'm, yeah, born and raised Canadian. Um, have always been interested in technology and data and analytics um, combined with people and process and, and leadership and education. And I'm finding myself the crooked career path um, got me to where I am and I'm able to do to bring all of those passions together into into the work that I do now. Yeah, I love that you said crooked career path. That's a really great way to put it because I'm always talking about like the winding road because, you know, for there's never really a direct path at this point. I mean, there were there was a time when someone would go to a company and they would stay for a long period of time, but that has since passed and you're exactly right. There's so many different elements that take us on the road that we are now, but Tell me about, so your first job was working in a library. When did you first sort of get that perk of interest in technology? Um, so when I was in high school, I was looking for, I had, a, I had a, a spare block. And so the counselor said, you like numbers, you like math, you like analytics. Why don't you take an accounting class? Sure. What the heck? We'll take an accounting class. Uh, and it turned out to be pretty good at it. But that at that time, we did it with pens and paper or pencils and paper. And it was craziness. But I knew that the future of accounting had to be in technology. I mean, there was no possible way we were going to continue doing it like this. So right. I started in accounting and finance and went to school. My first two years of college was in accounting and finance. And then I thought, there's no way you're going to put me in an office by myself with my visor and my calculator. And that was going to make <laughs> me happy for the rest of my career. So I thought, well, let's go the other way. Let's do human resources. Let's do HR. I like people. Um, turns out that wasn't for me either. I was not interested in um, babysitting adults. <laughs> there was a ton of opportunity mm -hmm, in HR mm -hmm. and leadership and career development, but the job I was doing was babysitting adults and it was not cool. So I came back and sort of settled in the middle and did entrepreneurship. And I have an entrepreneurship degree. And the reason I did entrepreneurship is because I could learn a little, a little bit about a lot of things. 
And when you're an entrepreneur, you need to make money because it doesn't pay very well at the very beginning. So <laughs> I... Amen. Right? And so um, I started cold calling a bunch of organizations in my city to look for a job, offering my services while I built an entrepreneurial venture on the side. And I happened to land in a on a big technology project for an oil and gas company here in the city that was doing a transformation of their entire order to cash system. So from when the customer purchased the product at the beginning until they paid the bill at the end, we were completely redoing that entire order to cash system. Uh, one big project. It was monstrous, complicated, $150 million, meant wow. to be two years. That was 12 years ago, and I'm not sure that it's actually done. <laughs> wow. But it was, that was my first introduction to technology, and it was cool. The people were cool and so, so smart. Um, we were doing real innovative things, and it was really exciting to be to be part of that. Um, and my career has just gone on from there. I've been an IT consultant for 12 years, for those 12 years. Uh, different projects, different opportunities, different people, but all really cool kind of way of the future Jetson-like uh, opportunities. Yeah, it's cool. Well, so when you say that, like, what would, what's been the coolest part that you have seen and may, and you might not be able to answer it, but actually you, I'm sure you can answer this, but something that you've seen come from development into fruition, that's been a really cool piece of tech that you really enjoyed watching flourish. So I'd say the project I'm on right now. Um, so the, the company that I work for right now is in agriculture but we like to say we're an agriculture technology company, an ag tech company. Mm -hmm. We help farmers grow the ground, grow the food from the ground up. And we um, we're doing something called uh, maybe I shouldn't use the name, but it's the, it's the, it's the front end of this cool technology on the back end to help farmers uh, grow better from um, sensing weather patterns and weather climate um, conditions to know exactly how much water and fertilizer and seed, et cetera, et cetera, to put on the farms. Um, we're doing it in third world countries and opening up opportunity for um, poorer nations, which is something to be damn proud of, right? So, so cool. So cool. Um, yeah, so cool. So working for working in ag tech is really neat because it has it has worldwide implications. Mm -hmm. uh, we are truly helping the world grow food uh, to support our to support the planet. Well, what I, I'm I'm obsessed with food in all categories. So <laughs> like I'm totally excited about this. I'm not a great farmer or uh, growing of my own garden. I. I've grown tomatoes very well, but I am so interested in this. And the reason why I like it is because it's a really wonderful combination of a passion or of a what is seen as a traditional method of doing something where you're planting a seed in the ground, it's growing, you're watering it, and innovating with technology by using data to say, hey, this is a great time to plant XYZ seeds. This is how much water you need, how much how logistically how you can use your land better and how you can cultivate it to grow so that you maximize 
the impact for your family and for those around you. Yeah. And you're exactly right. It is taking a commodity, taking a traditional um, way of life Mm -hmm. and just making it better for everyone, making the output greater, making the earnings greater, making the lifestyle, increasing the lifestyle and helping people to live, to live a future better than today. Do you find that the, so you saying you're working a lot on the front end piece. Do you seek a lot of input from the user, from the farmers to help navigate that front end piece? And what are you seeing that they really like a lot? Do they like a lot of visuals? Do they like color? What, what do you see? They like easy. Um, yeah. Traditionally, uh, technology hasn't been a big part of farming. You know, um, it's change is slow to come to the farming industry. And so user engagement and change management, um, OCM has been, organizational change management has been really huge in all of our projects. Uh, Engaging with the farmers, engaging with the kids of the farmers, recognizing that the succession planning in farming um, is a big thing, right? So engaging with the kids, the younger generation who are more tech savvy, um, stereotypically more tech savvy and helping them, giving them the tools to be able to help their parents perhaps embrace technology. So um, for sure, technology needs to be easy. The um, access to the technology needs to be readily available, whether it's on an app, whether it's in some of our retail locations, we actually have Uh, computer terminals at the branch that the farmers can come and do their ordering using the technology, but they can still come into the branch to do it because that was something that we found adoption was low because the farmers loved coming to the branch to talk to the people. It was Mm. like one of their, you know, one of their weekly or daily activities. Absolutely. And they missed that personal connection yet. We still wanted them to use the technology. So we just gave them a way to use it while still coming to the branch. So it was a way. I love that. There's two things that you said that was really, really important that I think we need to revisit. One was speaking with the farmer's children and knowing about the the succession of how farming stays within a family. We could also probably say that stereotypically as well, but Mm -hmm. based on history, a lot of that stays in, in the family. And then bringing together the people around the technology. I love that. Well, and I think that's something that gets missed a lot in discussions about technology. We just talk about the tech, but we don't talk about the human interaction with the tech because with the tech, you can build it, but they still may not come. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, especially those of us that love the tech and get so excited about it. And we just, we embrace it. And the people go, I'm, I'm scared of this. I don't know how it works. Mm-hmm. What if I break it? What kind of confidentiality is there? So the human interaction with the tech, I don't, uh, you, you have to start there. Truly. You know what? I cannot say that better. This is probably why we've connected so well because you didn't have to say that. And I'm like, I'm nodding my head like vigorously thinking yes, because in much of my research, and I've mentioned this over and over again on our show, is that there is a level of what we call perceived ease of use and perceived usefulness. We as the human, if we don't perceive it to be useful, we're not going to use it. Mm -hmm. And then we also have to perceive it easy to use. Just like you said, they want it to be easy, which is a part of why I love that you heard their voices in that 
they you want them to use the tech, but they like to go to the branch. They like to go and communicate. And then there was a communal piece and then more people that come around together than that ease of use immediately and the usefulness goes way up on the uh, on the on the Likert scale because they see others using it and they're able to ask their questions and get over that hump of or the fear. And it's the fear. I think you're totally right, right? We we fear the change until it's happening to us, uh, until either we're forced to do it or if somebody has um, thoughtfully and carefully taking us taken us along the path to the change. However, however we get to the future, um, I think it's it's the fear that prevents us from starting that steps towards the future. If that makes any sense. Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, the fear. I mean, you just think about. I mean, I could go on and on about fear and about how and and our own mindset. I mean, I think for you and I, even as professionals where we have this full-time job and then stepping into the entrepreneurial piece, which is what you have really been doing your whole career as an IT consultant, but now you're stepping into your real passion and embracing this mental health piece, which is exactly where the fear lives is Mm -hmm. in our brain and how we have to think about overcoming that, which is the part that I want to turn to. And when we ease into the second part of our show, we're really going to dig into all the science behind it. But before we do that, before we, we go into our break, can you tell us a little bit about your business and you are focusing in that mental health category and around this concept of hope? And I love how you introduce yourself when you are in that space. So tell us a little bit about this, this venture of hope and um, then we'll dig into a little bit more here in a few minutes. You bet. So I didn't realize that I'd lost my hope until the day I recognized that I got it back. It was a totally innocuous, normal, going for groceries kind of moment. And I remember very vividly sitting up a bit straighter and then sort of slouching down again and in a little bit of defeat because I thought I've been feeling status quo. I've been feeling blah. I've, been, I've lost my zest for the future. I've stopped setting goals and reaching for them. How the heck did I not notice? How did I, a reasonably self-aware human, not notice that I had stopped reaching for my goals? So I was excited because I figured it out, but then I was disappointed in myself for not recognizing it sooner. And what I do when I'm disappointed or need to know something is I learn. I read books, I talk to people, I listen to podcasts, I learn all the things. And I learned that there's a science of hope. Because hope has a PR problem. <laughs> when I say the word hope, people often think God and spirituality, and that's cool. I mean, for sure. But for me, the definition of hope is taking action over the things we can control towards a future better than today. And that action, control, and future are the key extrinsic and intrinsic non-fluffy, non-cosmic woo-woo pieces of hope that I really, really love. And the science of hope as a field of study within positive psychology is over 2,000 research studies 
evidence to support the power of hope in our lives. And that just set me on this trajectory to, um, to, to this work that I'm doing as, as a ex- uh, self-proclaimed expert in hope, teaching people, uh, individuals and organizations, how to raise hope levels uh, in the individuals so that it can raise hope levels in organizations, leading to better productivity and more happiness, um, better goal uh, accomplishment and all sorts of better health and wellness that I could go on and on and on about. (laughs) Well, you know, I love that you said, well, love's not the right word, but this really just hit me when you said hope has a PR problem. (laughs) And I, and I agree with that, you know, when we first connected and you started talking about it, I thought, you know, hope is so much about what centers us as humans, because if we have hope, we always know if, if we are down, that's a way. My mom always says you, your mind has to have a way out, right? You can't circle in the, the sadness for, I mean, it, that's what sends you down the drain. And that hope piece is really interesting. And I'm so excited to dig in more about the science behind it. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Lindsay is going to dive into more about the science behind hope. Talk to us a bit about something called a dream catalyst, a bucket list builder. And my favorite is your self-awareness superhero. I'm all about the superhero, Mm -hmm. right? Love all of that. So stay with us. Again, if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to what we're doing on the Voice America Network at Coding the Future or find us on your podcast app. And you can check out more about Lindsay. We're going to give you her website and all of where you can find her information when we come back. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. From face-to-face training to blended training techniques, the DOT Consulting delivers distinct advantage for organizations looking to grow. We help you invest in technology knowledge through training, experimental learning, and community connections. Employees create an overall collective sharpness, savviness, and greater productivity using technology as a tool, thus increasing the technological speed and quality of the expertise in your organization. The DOT Consulting, a new level of tech savvy. Visit the dotconsulting.co. The world needs more women with tech skills. At the Dottie Rose Foundation, we encourage, support, and educate girls who have an interest in technology and want to learn how it can be used to enhance their learning and future careers. Our camps demonstrate that most future career paths will benefit from developing a wide range of increasingly important technology and software skills. We accomplish this through mastering computational thinking, boosting self-confidence, and creating new possibilities for each girl. Visit DottieRoseFoundation.org. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. We invite you to connect with the show today by calling in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Sharon at the.consulting.co. Now, back to Coding the Future. 
Welcome back, everybody. And we're back with Lindsay Recknell. And we are so excited to be digging in to learn more about hope. You know, it's a four-letter word. And before we went on break, Lindsay mentioned that hope has a PR problem. And she is here to talk more about how we can use it, how we can leverage that word and help our community, our employees, our family to find that hope inside them that helps drive them to be better employees, to be better family members, husband, wives, moms, dads, etc. And she's going to walk us through some of that scientific evidence that supports this word of hope. And I also want to make note here that understand that Lindsay's had a very robust career in technology. She has really led her passion by being a self-learner and learning more about hope. And then she's using that in her current career, in her IT work, and then also to drive her love and passion to be an entrepreneur. That's the point that we want you to hear, that crossover of how she's using that skill set to not only drive her professional work, but also her personal work, and then truly walk into her passion as an entrepreneur and serving those based on understanding better how to leverage and understand hope. So, Lindsay, I'm going to turn it back over to you. I'm going to be quiet because we need to learn. So, all right, give it to us. Talk to us about that scientific piece of hope. Awesome. So, I'll share with you two pieces, um, something called a hope theory and also hope the hope circuit uh, within the brain. But before I do that, I just want to comment on uh, how you open the second, the second segment So I've been fortunate enough in my IT career, recognizing what it's like to be a woman in technology and all the stresses that come with being uh, in technology, men, women, or otherwise. Um, And I've been able to bring my, my workplace mental health and my work in hope to my technology career as well. Um, The organizations that I've worked for, worked in, have embraced this work, have embraced the power of hope, have embraced the conversations and the importance of opening the door to conversations in uh, within our IT careers, because it's hard. Working in technology Mm -hmm. can be so stressful, can be so hard. And I love that um, the clients I'm working with and the clients I'm working for have recognize that and they're doing something to support their employees, their team members in this work. So um, I've been really fortunate in my career in that, uh, in that aspect. So, uh, so thanks for making that connection. Okay. Yep. Science of hope. So I have uh, a couple of things to share with you, a couple cool science points to share with you. Um, just briefly, I mentioned that the, the field of study of hope is a field of study within positive psychology. So traditional psychology is all about decreasing sadness. But back in the 90s, a scientist called Dr. Martin Seligman said, why can't we increase happiness and focus on well-being? So go from neutral to positive instead of negative to neutral. Cool, right? So he's got this theory and a good scientist, we want to prove the theory. So a couple of, uh, a couple of things that he and his colleagues learned. One of his colleagues is a gentleman called Dr. Rick Snyder, and Rick Snyder came up with hope theory, and a lot of my work uh, embraces and uses hope theory. Super simple equation for us technology folk. Uh, Hope theory is goals, quite self-explanatory, plus agency thinking, which is our motivation for doing something. It's our why, 
plus pathways thinking, which is the ways that we can overcome the barriers and obstacles that are absolutely, absolutely going to get in our way. That's our what, or that's our, the goals is the what, the agency is the why, the pathways is the how. Okay, so goals, um, in hope theory, you are striving for a future better than today. I talked about that, mm-hmm. my definition of hope. Goals is the what, it is the taking action on the things you can control to make your future better than today. Agency thinking being your why. This is your motivation for doing it. This is um, your passion. This is embracing whatever intrinsic need you need to motivate you to get towards that future better than today. And your pathways thinking is that creativity, that vision, that learning, that research, your people, your community uh, to figure out the way that you can get where you want to go. So that's hope theory, Um, getting to that future vision. That is, if you can employ that uh, equation, you are going to raise your hope levels uh, to unbelievably cool, cool levels. Something about hope levels is hope can totally be learned. It's on a scale. You don't feel, you don't have to feel hopeful all the time. You can flex along that scale based on life circumstances, how you're feeling at the time, the people around you. Hope is contagious. So if you aren't feeling particularly hopeful today, go find your most hopeful person and borrow some of theirs. <laughs> and then oh, I love that. When you are feeling topped up on hope, go find someone who you know might not be feeling as hopeful as you know they are or they can be and share some of your hope with them. Hope I is really absolutely like contagious. That. Oh my goodness. I like that so much. It's like finding someone who always um, just brings a smile to your face. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and borrow from them because then you know that you can give it back tenfold when you're feeling particularly good. Really interesting. I like this. I like the way the vocabulary of goals, the agency thinking and the pathways thinking, because we don't necessarily always think about our mindset, like the agency, I, I like the, I like the way that that's laid out. It's a little bit different, and it, it makes you stop and really think about that area of what's going to of the of the um, outline here of the equation. Yeah. So, tell me a little bit about then once you sort of begin to put this into your mind, what are next steps? What do you do to begin to think in this manner? So uh, my Dream Catalyst program actually feeds, uh, is, is the how, is the steps to action on hope theory. So Dream Catalyst starts with Bucket List Builder, which is another one of my programs. Uh, Bucket List Builder can be a standalone program, totally virtual, or it can be the first step in the 12-week Dream Catalyst program. So bucket list builder is where you literally create your bucket list. It is transformational. It is so cool. It starts with a homework exercise, an hour homework exercise where you go somewhere by yourself without your phone, without your kids, without your 
spouse or your colleagues, and it is the best and worst hour of your life. <laughs> you, um, you create your bucket list, and then um, the second part of it is we either come together and I do a facilitated categorization and prioritization exercise, or you watch the second video, and you can do this independently, totally virtual on your own time by yourself. So once you have your bucket list created, um, you can self-guide yourself towards accomplishing those goals. So in Hope Theory, you've now got your goals list and you can start to take action using your agency and your pathways thinking to accomplish those things. Or if you need a little bit of accountability, a little more support, that's where Dream Catalyst comes in. So it's 12 weeks of supported accountability to help you move towards those goals to check things off that bucket list. Um, within the 12 weeks, I give you strategies for actual planning, for um, communicating, for setting boundaries, for all that mindset stuff, all that um, life skills that that we don't need the technical acumen to do because we often know how to do this stuff, but often we don't follow through. We don't hold ourselves accountable. We let ourselves down. We put other people in front of us. So it's a 12 week facilitated support accountability to help you accomplish those, accomplish all those things on the bucket list. And it feels damn good. Yeah. I would say that that's so, so let me ask you a question because what's been spinning around in my head as you were talking is, is there a difference between a bucket list and a vision board? And if so, are they one and the same or how would you differentiate or see those as the same? So I think they're uh, related or connected. And I think having a vision board of the items on your bucket list uh, is pretty cool because often the vision board, uh, which feeds really nicely into the hope circuit. So well done. Um, but the vision board is the visualization of what you'd like to do. It is what, how, what you want your future to look like. And the items on your bucket list are often either the steps or the activities or the fun things that are going to get you to that future vision of, I don't know, a house in Venice and a, you know, um, uh, climbing Mount Everest, whatever those things are. So I think they're related, but I don't think they are necessarily have to be the same. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I was thinking too about that's like almost a visualization of what you want to accomplish. Let me ask another question. On the bucket list, is this something that you, I mean, when you hear the word bucket list, you sort of go to the fact of like, there's a movie, I think, with like older gentlemen and, you know, these are things they want to do before they are no longer on this earth. But how do you classify the bucket list? And it's something you need to accomplish within a certain time frame, or is there, you know, this is just what the list is and here are the steps you're going to take? So the, during the homework exercise, I ask you to write down things you would like to be, see, do, or have. So they are not limited to adventures you want to take or places you want to go. They are also um, the human you want to be, the legacy you want to leave, the education you want to take. Mm -hmm. So okay. anything you want to be, see, do, or have. I want them to be specific. So if you think of traditional goal setting with the smart goals, the, you know, specific and measurable and all that stuff. Um, I want them to be specific so that, you know, when you've accomplished them, you know, when you can check that thing off your list, but I don't want them to be time bound because as my father-in-law tells me, 
you write plans in sand and goals in concrete. The idea being Ooh, that interesting. I know, right? It's like he told me that easily 10 years ago and it is it is my life motto to live by. Okay, say that again because that was that's really interesting. Plans in sand, goals in concrete. Okay. Now, all right, the, tell us more. The, the concept being that a goal is something that you that you are striving for. It is what you want to what your end your end point. So if you're going from A to B, it's B. But the path to get there, the plan to get there is can be washed away in a second, right? Because that back to that crooked path of, of the career path, you don't know what things out of your control are going to set you off on a different pathway. So make your plans, but be flexible and make different choices and respond to scenarios that will continue moving you towards that goal, um, but be, be recognize that uh, the plan may not go as you want it to. Man, I that is really awesome. That's not the best way to describe that because that feels very cliche to say that's so <laughs> awesome. But my brain is really sinking in. I'm letting that sink in of what you just said, mostly because of just what we all have experienced in the past 10, 11 months of the pandemic and the fact that you, we all started off in 2020, most of us with a, some type of concept, and that was very quickly washed away. In, in a very quick time and having to think about how to navigate and move through that crooked, sandy path to still come out here on 2021 and, and, and continue. Um, that is very profound advice and a really great way to think about the way in which you want to better yourself and better your career. And I, you know, and, and even to bring it back to tech, I think about, holy moly, like anything that I've ever started using technology, I'll have a, an idea or a, you know, a goal, but the way in which we actually end up getting there usually is not the way I started. I end up that original platform or something I was going to use turns out not to be great. And I have to reevaluate so that failing forward fast, you know, um, thought process. But I, I, I love that advice. Have you used that some even yourself over this past? Oh, oh my God. You have to. It is, it is about giving yourself grace to not, <laughs> to not feel like a failure. You know, even if, so if we think about 2020 and the goals that I set at the beginning of the year, the intentions I set at the beginning of the year, um, they absolutely didn't go the way that I wanted them to. And there was so much outside of my control. And what makes me crazy is when people say, well, my goals are useless and I should just not set them because I can never get there anyway. No, no. Just change the plan, man. Just find a different way to do it. Engage your pathways thinking to employ the agency, the why on what you want to get, where you want to get in the first place. And give yourself grace if it looks different, if it takes longer, if it involves other people, and if it doesn't, if, if the, even if the original goal isn't serving you, give yourself the grace to change your mind. You get to change your mind. You get to choose. That's the other beautiful part about this is you get to choose. And you don't need to explain. You don't need to make excuses. You get to choose. What matters to you matters. Full stop. If it matters to you, it matters. And you get to choose. 
That's a really powerful statement, Lindsay. You get to make that choice. You get to make that decision. And I often find that we get wrapped up in the itty bitty nitty gritty of the life and what's happening and we forget that. But we get to make the choice and we get to make that decision. And that's very powerful wording. And to me, that's the essence of the hope piece. Mm-hmm. It is the number one lesson I've learned throughout this, the, my last four years of journey is that if it matters to me, it matters. Um, and that, uh, that I get to choose and that I don't have to explain myself to anyone. Um, I get to make choices that are best for me. And I, and I can hear you listeners. I can hear you saying, but I don't always have the choice. You don't always have an easy choice and all the choices often look impossible, but you always have a choice. You always have a choice. You always have a choice to do nothing. You always have a choice to, um, to do a hard thing. You, always, you are always having a choice to make a boundary, to make a different choice, whatever it is. Um, the choices are not awesome, but you always have a choice to make. I agree. And I really like that. And you have a choice to make it so that it works for you and, and accelerates who you are on the inside as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. I want to, you know, talk a little bit about how hope has helped change the way your career is going now. You mm-hmm. said you didn't know you didn't have it until you had it. I think I said that rightly. So once you made that mindset shift, how has that changed your career and your personal trajectory? Mm. I knew that once I found this science of hope, that I could use it in my brain, um, I really had no good excuse to not do something now because the science proved that I could. So I promised to talk about um, the hope circuit, which is the hope circuit is the limbic system in the brain. Okay, so part of the limbic system, three areas within the hope circuit. The first is the hippocampus, which is where all your memories are made. This is where your vision happens. Um, The brain really can't distinguish between real memories and um, visioning memories. So when you're making that vision board, when you're creating that bucket list, it's happening in the hippocampus. And that's awesome. That is going to lead to more hope. That is going to lead to a future better than today. So once those memories and that vision is in your hippocampus, which you can remember like your elephant because it kind of looks like a trunk, but also because an elephant never forgets. Once those memories and vision is in that uh, hippocampus in your elephant, it moves along to the amygdala, which you can think of your amygdala as your guard dog. This is where your fight, flight, or freeze response happens. This is where your brain decides what's good for you, helps you to make, um, sort of predetermines the next choices you're going to make. And it determines what you're going to do with those memories, how your body is going to respond to those memories. Um, Your guard dog is also where the fear happens. So we talked a little bit about fear earlier and change and all that kind of thing. So sometimes your back will get up, your guard dog will, will bark, um, but mostly it's just because they're scared and they're trying to protect you. 
So once your guard dog has decided what to do next with those memories, which ones are good for you, which ones are good to take action on, it moves to the third area of the HOPE circuit, which is called the prefrontal cortex, the PFC. And in the PFC, which I like to remember as your wise old owl, this is like your command center. This is your program coordinator. This is your, um, your, this is where all the bits and bytes are happening to decide what to do and what actions to take on those memories that your guard dog has determined is the best ones to take action on. Your wise old owl, your prefrontal cortex, your PFC will, um, will prioritize and tell you which, which bucket list items to, to action next, which steps to take next, leading towards that future better than today. I mean, I'm just like, I'm sitting here in my, my mouth stiff and I'm like, this is so, this is incredible. The brain is so incredibly interesting to me anyway. You know what I mean? Like, so this is fantastic to think about how, how you go about registering all this information. Well, and that's the part that I really love. So, you know, the question you asked me was, how has my work in HOPE um, impacted my career? Well, it stopped, it helped me get rid of the excuses, right? It helped me realize that all these things are happening in my brain anyway. So why the heck am I not leveraging them towards a future better than today for my career? Why? Also, people need to know this stuff. And I want other people to be able to leverage their hope circuit and hope theory to make their future better than today. Um, without those excuses, recognizing that I can use my brain in this way, it just, it gives me leverage. Um, Sharon, you mentioned my self-awareness superhero uh, program. Yes, so I was going to go to that next. I'm so <laughs> glad you brought it up. This is a brain-based program. So uh, I'm an Emergenetics associate. And Emergenetics is a psychoanalytic tool based in brain science that helps us determine how we think and how we show up in the world. So it's similar to other analytic, uh, psychoanalytic tools like Myers-Briggs or DISC or Discovery, which people might be familiar with. But I like Emergenetics because it is science-based. It separates how we think and our thinking preferences in our brain from how we behave and our personality and how we show up. So self-awareness superhero uses our thinking preference um, and, and takes away those excuses for how we behave. It teaches us that how we think is in our brain is established by the age of 25, and we might as well embrace it and use it from a place of strength because it's science, because it's just how our brain works. And we really can't change it, so let's just embrace it. So that whole self-awareness piece comes from that workshop. Um, when it is revealed what your thinking preference is, there's an assessment you do prior to the workshop. And then we explore the different thinking preferences and how your preference works with other people's preferences. Um, so it's really great for communication and conflict resolution and team interpersonal, communi um, interpersonal communication um, and cooperation. It is it is so cool and so fun and so surprising. You do a self-assessment and I will, I am here to tell you that I was terribly un 
self-aware, non-self-aware, my self-assessment was completely wrong. And I had a life crisis <laughs> when I got my thinking preference profile back. Um, but then recognizing that I have a preference and an ability and they are not necessarily the same thing was hugely um, uh, instrumental in how I now approach my career and my tasks, the kind of work that I take on, um, where and when I get my energy, how I replenish my energy, all of those things come from the brain science that I teach in that program. That's incredible. And, you know, so knowing, cool. and knowing so much about who you are and how that brain piece has worked, you know, to me, that is the mindset switch that you need. The piece that you need to really be able to know who you are on the inside and take steps forward to master who you are meant to be. Always, I have this on my um, on my desk that says unique brilliance. And I, I look at that a lot because whenever I am down and I need to think about, you know, what is it that is the unique brilliance that I bring to the table, you know, outside of career or anything else, but what is it that I bring to the table when I show up each day? And I think understanding that mindset would be incredible, which leads me to, I, I know that our listeners are one, going to want to know more. And that just means we're going to have to have you come back, Lindsay, because we haven't even, <laughs> like, even we could talk for hours more, we even like broken the surface of all this wonderful information in your brain. But how can our listeners reach out and get in touch with you if they'd like to work with you or want to learn more? So I can be found on my website at expertinhope.com on all the social medias at the same, at the same tags, expertinhope.com. And my corporate related work in workplace mental health is called mentalhealthinminutes.com. I love it. So expertinhope.com. Here's my action item for you today. And you know, I think, Lindsay, you have really uh, sparked this piece, but I would like for everyone to write down one bucket list item they have for today. And then what would be one strategy you would tell them to work to accomplish that one bucket list item? Start small. Bucket list items scream big, right? They scream scary and complicated. Nah start small, do one thing. Writing it down is a good place to start. Love it. That's exactly, I mean, start small because little victories, small victories lead into big victories. Lindsay, thank you so much for being a part of the show today. You're simply amazing. I cannot wait for all of our listeners to dig in more about your work, about hope. Remember that we all can have hope. Remember that equation that she talked about, goals plus agency thinking plus pathways thinking. Dig in, go to her website, expertinhope.com, write down that one bucket list item and- if you love this show, please let it leave us a review on one of the podcast apps or subscribe and follow us on the Voice America Network, Coding the Future. Thank you again for joining us today for this amazing hour of, co of combining all things that I love about tech and about growing ourselves personally. Lindsay, thank you again, and we look forward to seeing everyone on the next episode of Coding the Future. Thank you so much for listening to Coding the Future. Please join your host, Dr. Sharon Jones, for another edition next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk then.